welcome to the Badass Breastfeeding Podcast. This is Diane, your lactation consultant. And I'm Abby, the Badass Breastfeeder. And today's episode is brought to you by Sarah's Chill. For the very last time, we are saying goodbye to Sarah's Chill today. Thank you so much for your sponsorship. Never worry about safely storing your breast milk or formula again. Sarah's Chill was invented by a mom for moms and offers guaranteed convenience with their double-walled stainless steel container. And today's episode is also brought to you by Fairhaven Health. Milky's Nipple Nurture Balm is your organic and lanolin-free answer to sore or cracked nipples. But we will hear more from our sponsors a little later. Um, but you can head to badassbreastfeedingpodcast.com and check out our sponsor page and see if you can give any of our sponsors your business because they do make this podcast possible. And also at badassbreastfeedingpodcast.com, you can uh, scroll down and enter your email address and we will send episodes straight to your inbox every Monday. And now Diane has our review of the week. And this is more, it's probably not as much of a review as it is a um, question or concern, but I thought that this would be great for today considering what our topic is today. Mm-hmm. And this came through this week. So to our email at badassbreastfeedingpodcast at gmail.com. I'm a mom to a happy 13-month baby boy. We are bottle feeding during the day hours as soon as I and as soon as I get off of work, I'm strictly on demand as soon as I get home. I keep getting a hard time from doctors, dentists, and family because the fact that he doesn't sleep much during the night and that breast milk is sweeter than formula, so it affects teeth way more. Doctors will tell me he shouldn't even be on the breast anymore. Neither him or I are ready to wean off. Am I doing anything wrong? I'd like to get him and I a few more hours of sleep. This has been our sleep schedule since day one, if we can call it that. And this was, like I said, sent to me from email. Um, and I think this is a great intro, really, to what we're going to talk about today. Because, first of all, I did answer her. I don't want you guys to think that I just like left her hanging. <laughs> because I did answer her. And, you know, I did tell her, um, milk does not cause, breast milk does not cause cavities. And we've talked about this a lot and we've done episodes on this, but it still comes up all the time because it is one of those things that just does not go away. Because the medical professionals don't listen to our podcast. Right. It's just you guys. It's so then you have to go and hear all this stupid advice and yeah. stuff from your doc- doctors and your dentists. But the, so we don't, that we don't need to be worried about, right? Wipe that right out of your brain. Yeah, that breastfeeding your baby at night is going to cause cavities because that is not a thing. And there's tons of research to back that up. We're not just saying that because we want it to go along with our agenda. It really is true. There's a lot of research to back that up. And babies, we know babies are encouraged to breastfeed past a year. So that that is one of the things that drives me crazy. If your pediatrician is telling you, oh, your baby should be weaned at a year, I'm sorry. The American Academy of Pediatrics says babies should breastfeed to two years. So the very the, the very entity that your pediatrician is part of says two years. So any pediatrician that's telling you one year is wrong. I'm sorry. Nobody should be encouraging you to wean regardless. Two years or beyond. Or beyond, yes. Or so beyond. two years at least. At least, or beyond. What it comes down to is, if you want to wean at a year, and that's what works for you and your family, then great. If you do not, like this mama here, they're 13 months, she doesn't want to wean yet, he doesn't want to wean yet, there should be no pressure. It's nobody's business. It's not hurting her. It's not hurting her baby. There's no cavity issue. We wiped that out already. But the thing here that she wants to do is get her and her baby a little bit more sleep. And that's what this episode is going to be about today. 
Well, it's going to be information about sleep. Information about (laughs) sleep. Yes. Nobody's going to guarantee that everyone's going to sleep eight hours straight every night because for babies, that's not what they do. But this is going to educate you more on what goes on with babies and sleep because it seems to be a really black hole mystery of (laughs) what happened, like what's going on with these little babies. So this is going to hopefully educate you a lot on what to expect with your your baby and sleep. So I hope it's helpful. Yes. I'm excited. Yes. And here's Rebecca Meeky. Welcome to Rebecca Meeky. Thank you so much for coming onto the podcast and talking with us today. You're very welcome. I'm glad to be here. I, everybody who is listening has heard me say the name Rebecca Meeky a whole bunch of times. (laughs) (laughs) Always with, oh, by the way, we should get um, her on the podcast, Uh, you know, and and talk to her. And I'm saying her, are you, I'm going to make sure your pronouns. Yes. Yes. She, she, her. She, her. Okay. Um, And uh, finally did it. (laughs) Yay. Um, I, so a little bit about how I know about Rebecca is that, I had so Jack was he's 10 now. Wow. But I know. Uh he was actually well, so when he was ever since he was born, he was a very sensitive guy, you know, didn't didn't sleep the way I saw babies sleep on TV. Uh he, you know, would cry when I put him down. He was, you know, it was I didn't know what was going on. I was under this belief that sleep was just this thing that was normal and natural and that they would just do it and you didn't have to do anything like breastfeeding, right? Breastfeeding is normal and natural. And then you just put them on there and then they just do it. Mm -hmm. So fast forward a few years, Exley is born now. And, uh, I just don't think that we we're drowning. You know, I don't know how to get Jack to sleep at night. He's up all night. He's, he's, we're just in a state of chaos. I mean, literally when I think back, I was thinking this morning about this talk and I was thinking about those days and how dark they were and just how chaotic and anxious and all of that, the state of our house was in. And I, I had started looking into things like sleep consultants and stuff like that. And I was really afraid to reach out to anybody because it was so much like, there was so much of the cry it out and mm-hmm. sleep training stuff out there. And I just thought, I just don't, that doesn't feel right to me. I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just set out into the, into the Facebook world. Does anybody <laughs> know of a sleep consultant who doesn't do cry it out? And I, and I think it was, well, cause you and I were doing the mommy con circuit at yeah. the time. Mm-hmm. And right. we got connected mm-hmm. and that is when, you know, I, and I think like, well, oh, we did, you know, we worked really hard and we did all this. Honestly, what happened was I just learned from you. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just, we just learned about sleep and babies. And, and I, you know, I remember at the time you were like, I don't usually work with three-year-olds. <laughs> I usually work with babies. I don't know how well this is going to go. But man, that was like the magic wand. It was, well, I want to say magic wand because it was hard. But I mean, yeah. you know, mm. I think the thing that we did wasn't all these things that we had to do with Jack. It was us learning. Yeah, definitely. Is that what you see with, because you you work with families, I guess, all day, right? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So I work with families in many different capacities um, for obviously all sorts of different ways that I work with families because as children sleep, it's all very different. You know, every family dynamic is different and every home setup is different. And so 
yeah, it's it's figuring out well, the way that I'm working with families is figuring out one how the child is sleeping, two how that is a issue for the family, and then getting them the best possible sleep whilst being really realistic with what our expect- expectations are going to be. A lot of the time when I'm working with families, it's saying, yeah, that's normal. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. actually, yeah, that's great. Your child's sleeping normally. Yay. Um, <laughs> and because we have very re- unrealistic expectations of what is normal when it comes to a child's sleep, because we're comparing against our own and it's completely different. Our own being adults. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I remember you saying that early on too. You you know, we were talking about Jack's uh, personality, his mm. temperament, you know, yes. just him, who he is as an individual. Mm-hmm. And you were like, he's not going to sleep <laughs> eight hours in a row, Abby. He's not going to, mm-hmm. you know, that's just, you know, maybe sort of what they don't, they don't do that at that age. And this is a guy who might not do that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a huge part of when I'm working with a family, one of the first things I'll have them do is take a like a temperament quiz for their child mm-hmm. because when I can see what the child's temperament is, I know sort of what really sort of, you know, how it is that they are going to be sleeping. And with Jack, looking at his his temperament, he was not this kiddo who was going to, you know, ask one, ask to go down to sleep early and then sleep for sort of, you know, 12 hours. He was not, you already knew that because he wasn't doing that. Um, <laughs> but, he, but I wasn't going to be able to get you that because that's just not who he is. And I think a lot of, I mean, it's just not just with sleep. It's with so much of parenting. Right. When you work with a child's personality, you're not one trying to force them to do something that is impossible for them to do, which causes conflict. It means that you're then when you're working with their personality, you're working at a pace that is comfortable for everybody. Um, and you're going to get results. And that's really the main thing is that we want better sleep. We don't necessarily want perfect. Yeah, we'd love perfect, but I think we want better sleep, but just ditch perfect because, per, you know, don't let good enough, good, perfect, get in the way of good enough. Um, and so we want sort of to get some good, better sleep, certainly, but it doesn't have to be perfect. Yeah. And so what is the, what is the, cause I imagine a lot of people come to you and they say, how do you get, how can I get my kid to sleep more? Yes. <laughs> you know, how do I just get them to sleep more? How do I yeah. get them to sleep just for like six or eight hours in a row? Just how do I do that? Yeah. So many people will say, and, and so I will hear that for, you know, so many people come to me and they'll say, yeah, so how can I get my child to sleep, have an easier time with sleep? How can I get them to sleep through the night or whatever that, whatever that looked like? And it really kind of depends on what their, how their child is sleeping because so often their child is actually sleeping normally. It is yeah. normal for a three month old to wake many times during the night. Is it, you know, does it suck? Yes, it does, but it's normal. And that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a problem. Um, just, yeah, it sucks that you're having to get up repeatedly through the night. That's no fun for anybody, but it's completely normal. It doesn't necessarily mean that there's anything that we can, that we can change there. Do you have an 18 month old who is waking once, twice a night and needs resettling during the night? Again, that is normal. That's when you're looking at how children sleep, that is normal. Um, and so I like to find out from the family what 
what they're perceiving as, as the issue here. How do I get my child to sleep through the night? How do I get them to get these, these big, this big chunk of sleep? Well, it may be that they they just can't get that. It may be that they are not supposed to be getting that right now um, because of one developmental, one what's normal, they just can't do that. Um, and so I like to find out what they're seeing as the problem and then, yeah, I can help you with that. And that could be with helping to get your child really relaxed and unwound before they go to sleep, helping them get the best possible naps during the day so they're not overtired come nighttime, which makes it harder for children to sleep. And so there's many things that we can do, but the knowing that how their child is actually sleeping is the first thing to, for me to look at to see actually if it's something that I can help them with. Because it may be, you know, I'm, I'm not going to work with a family whose three-month-old is waking once a night and they want to ditch that one wake-up because, yeah, yeah um, I, I can't do that. And I, that's, they probably need that wake-up, I would imagine. If they're only waking once a night at three months old, chances are they're going to get rid of that wake-up completely by themselves when they're ready. Yeah. And that's the thing. I think that's a lot of, that's one of the biggest things I think about people that have new babies and have ever, never had babies before is that the waking is mm-hmm. tiring and it's exhausting again, but, but it is developmentally completely normal. And also when we say normal, it's necessary. Yes, exactly. Yes. And that's what a lot of people will, I think, you know, there's, we're gauging their sleep by our own because of a couple of things is that we are so often we're asked as parents when our children are really young, you know, which I'm talking days old. Oh, are they a good sleeper? And so we're thinking, oh, "Oh, no, I'm up like seven times a night at least. So that's not good. So we think bad. Okay. Well, it must be a bad sleeper. Um, and then we sort of are, are getting all these pressures from outside of the getting your child to sleep through the night. We're hearing pressures that they don't need to feed during the night once they hit insert whatever, you know, crazy thing that you've heard, whether that's six weeks old, 12 weeks old, doubled their birth weight, reached 12 pounds, insert whatever. (laughs) There's nothing out there to say when a child can can sleep through the night or no longer needs to feed during the night. There's nothing scientific. There's nothing medical. There's nothing magical. There is nothing out there. Um, But it's all this kind of pressure. And so we're thinking, well, my child shouldn't be sleeping. My my child shouldn't be feeding during the night. They don't need to feed because you've heard from somewhere where in fact they do. It's really normal. It's really important that children are feeding during the night for so many reasons. Um, And yeah, it's, I mean, it's, I think every single parent out there will agree night wake ups are just, you know, are not fun. Um, and I rem- if one person, one, one more person said to me when my kids were little, Oh, you'll miss those wake ups at some point. You'll miss them. And I, nope. No, no I, I now have a 17 year old and an 18 year old. <laughs> not miss those wake ups once. <laughs> no. Yeah. No, nobody misses that. We have no. plenty of wakeful hours during the day. Exactly. I don't, when I, when Jack, I don't, I, I'm sure this came up when we were working together, but it was so long ago now. Um, but I went to a pediatrician when Jack was, Jack was a baby. You know, mm-hmm. I don't, I, it was very, really young because I, I left this pediatrician by the time he was six months old or something. So it was, it was before that. Um, and she said to me, do you, I've said this on the podcast too. So people are going to probably know this story, but she said, do you, how long is he sleeping? Mm-hmm. What's his longest stretch of sleep at night? And, you know, this is like a highly sensitive 
breastfeeding through the night baby. And like, I'm embarrassed. I was embarrassed and, and, and like afraid to tell mm-hmm. her that it was like not more than 45 minutes or yeah. something. You know, I thought I'd get in trouble or, mm-hmm. you know, they'd be like, oh my God, that's not okay. And she said, I don't know. I don't remember what I said, but she said, oh, um, oh, that's odd. He should be sleeping 12 hours a night <laughs> by now. She said, this lady said 12 hours. <gasps> 12. That is... And, and it I'm makes sorry. me so upset because yeah. there are more and more people coming to her and she's telling this information to and pediatricians across the country are saying things like this, not just pediatricians, but, you know, people say these things, mm-hmm. um, which makes people feel nothing except that something is wrong with their child. Yeah. Or they're doing something wrong. What am I yeah, doing wrong if I, right. my child should be sleeping for 12 hours and not needing to feed? When you're only getting such a short period of time. It's not as if you're, you were, let's say, getting 11 hours and then you're thinking, oh, I should be getting 12. Well, we're an hour. Yeah. That's okay. I think we can. <laughs> right. Oh, no, it's just an hour off. <laughs> yeah. If you're getting, if it's so vastly different, you feel that what something's wrong with my child. Mm-hmm. Something's wrong if they're needing to feed all that time. Some, what's wrong with my milk? Why are they, you know, are they, yeah. is something wrong there? What's wrong with me? Why can I not do this? Why can I not? And it's, it really drives me mad when people, when pediatricians or random people in the supermarket or the internet will say that, yeah, oh, your child at whatever, insert whatever, should be sleeping for, um, should be sleeping for 12 hours because, Studies show this not to be the case. There was a study that came out last year that is really, really interesting. And it's a, it's actually a really great study because of the amount of people that they, um, that they studied on this. That at three months old, only 16% of children are classed as sleeping through the night and sleeping oh. through the night is six hours consecutive sleep. Mm-hmm. So that's, well, you know, so it's really normal not to be getting that. That's the normal here. It's abnormal if your child is sleeping for a six hour or longer stretch at three months old. And it doesn't get, it just, it stays kind of really low. It next is sort of like is eight months old. We're looking at then 22% who are sleeping for a six hour stretch or longer. So again, even then, eight months old, it's still really, really low. It's still really low what the amount of children who are sleeping for a longer stretch. And I wish that pediatricians would just get up to speed with this because what they're saying is false. And I think what's happening is that they, that we know, yeah, there's this 16% of children who are sleeping for at three months are sleeping for a six hour stretch or longer. There are some who are sleeping for a 12, 12 hour stretch. Mm-hmm. There just will be. And it seems to be that because some can, it's presumed that all can. And so yeah. we don't really do this with anything else when it comes to, you know, infants development. There are some children who are walking at seven months old. Mm-hmm. There are some who don't even start to walk until they're over 18 months old and both are normal. But we don't send a seven and a half month old to see a physical therapist because they're not walking and some are while well, they could be walking. We know there's yeah. so much more that goes into a child being able to walk than just the age. But it seems to be that for sleep, no, nope, we presume that because some can, oh, all of them can. And it's just like that developmental stage of walking or crawling is a real big window of what's normal. Um, and that's if you just look at the sort of the development part. 
Then there's sort of everything else that goes in, the amount of milk that they're getting, the sleep environment, attachment. There's all these other things that are being sort of thrown in there, which are also going to impact how your child sleeps. Yeah. And, and I, and I do think breastfeeding does get thrown under the bus a lot with that too, where it's like, well, yeah. you need to wean. Yeah. Your baby would sleep longer if you would just be breastfeeding less throughout the night. Yeah. I, and, and I don't see how that, how, I, I, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's very often blamed, um, for your child is needing to, um, you need to stop or that's why you're getting challenging sleep. And I don't really, I, I, is it because we can't see how much milk your child is exactly getting? Is that the reason why? I think it's because you, you end up feeding during the night. You will because mm-hmm. it's, that's how your child will get down to sleep. It's a no brainer what you're going to choose. Are you going to choose the path of least resistance and just <laughs> breastfeed your child? Or are you going to potentially be up for an hour, two hours, rocking, pacing, yeah. just laying them down, rubbing their back? What are you going to choose? You're yeah. tired. You're sleep deprived. You know you're going to be up in another hour or so. It's just a no-brainer which one you're going to choose here. You're going to choose the path of least resistance because sleep is one of the our basic human needs is sleep. And we're not really sure, to be honest, why, but it is. And so when we are at this point of you know, when you're being woken during the night, this has been going on for a period of time. And as well, you're still healing from childbirth. You're still trying to create an attachment. And there's all the other stuff. Your hair's falling out. Your nipples are hurting. Bits hurt that you didn't know should hurt. You're just constantly sweaty. And there's all this in your relationships, kind of like all kind of crazy. It's just everything. And then you're just, it's just, yeah, you're going to, you're just going to breastfeed because you, your child back to sleep because you are sort of preserving yourself the same way that if you were really, really thirsty and there's a glass of water and you're really, really thirsty and you wake up in the middle of the night and you think, oh my God, I'm so thirsty. I'm not, but I don't want to drink because I don't want to have to get up in three hours to use the bathroom. Of course, if you're really thirsty, you're just going to drink because it's your basic human need. Sleep Mm -hmm. is that thing as well. It's a basic human need. You're going to take the path of least resistance because you need the sleep. And the flip side of that, your child also needs the sleep. So by just breastfeeding them, you're helping everybody here. Everybody is going to be getting the best sleep, um, especially in those early days where everything's just sort of feels so out of control. Don't add something else there. Trying to be, oh, I, you know, I've got my child has to be independent. I shouldn't be breastfeeding them to sleep. I should be aiming for this drowsy bit awake. And it's just added yeah. pressure that you don't need. We'll be right back with more from Rebecca Meeky after a word from our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by Fairhaven Health. If you are struggling with sore nipples, you need pain relief fast. And when sore nipples turn to crack nipples, forget about it. It's enough to want to call it quits. Damaged nipples can cause real problems with successfully breastfeeding your baby. Check with a lactation consultant that your baby is getting a good latch and get some Milky's Nipple Nurture Balm. Nipple Nurture Balm is formulated to soothe, protect, and heal sore or crack nipples. This nipple cream, nipple balm, is made with organic herbal ingredients and combined with natural moisturizers to help provide relief to heal affected areas and even prevent cracks from reappearing. Nurture Nipple Balm alleviates the discomfort so the joy can be restored to your special bonding time. It is safe for both parent and baby, and there's no need to wipe it off before breastfeeding. Head to fairhavenhealth.com, that's F A I R H A V E N health.com, and use code badass for 15% off of your purchase. 
And today's episode is also brought to you by Sarah's Chill. Never worry about safely storing your breast milk or formula again. Sarah's Chill was invented by a mom for moms and offers guaranteed convenience with their double-walled stainless steel container. A little bit of water and ice is all you need to keep your breast milk or formula safe for 20 hours. No more lugging around chunky coolers and dozens of containers. You can pump and double pump all day into one sleek container. The chillers are dishwasher safe, airport friendly, and last a lifetime. Use it for wine, coffee, or any of your favorite beverages or even snacks when you're done breast or bottle feeding. Head to sarahschill.com, that's C-E-R-E-S-C-H-I-L-L.com, or check them out at Sarah's Chill on Instagram. And... Use code BADASSBREASTFEEDERS25 for 25% off your purchase. And like I said, Sarah's Chill sponsorship is ending. So make sure that you get um, in on this code, BADASSBREASTFEEDERS25 at sarahschill.com for 25% off your purchase of a chiller. Um, And so you can find more um, about our sponsors at badassbreastfeedingpodcast.com. You can find, uh, the promo code, um, in our, under our show notes at badassbreastfeedingpodcast.com. Our show notes will also include further information about things that we talk about in this episode. And you can find our breastfeeding resources, all of our other episodes and information about scheduling your very own one-on-one online lactation consultation with Diane. And now let's get back to more from Rebecca Miki. Yeah. And the fact that the baby goes back to sleep so much faster nursing (laughs) than rocking and pacing and all of this tells me that there's some sort of, you know, that that it's the quickest way to get the baby back to sleep kind of tells me then that's maybe like biologically, like how they go to sleep, you know, with (laughs) that (laughs) suckling motion is soothing and being close to the parent. And, you know, like that tells me that, mm, you know, maybe that is the answer. Yeah, exactly. Because your child just probably wants to go back to sleep as well. Well, If they don't want to go back to sleep, they're awake and it's not not going to. Yeah, exactly. And it's that sort of time where they're just really awake. It's not that, that they're being sort of like they're half asleep or anything. They're just awake and you know, and you'd look at them and you're like, oh, well, you're awake now. You know when they need to be awake and you know when they want to be back asleep. Um, And yeah, that's it. Breastfeeding just is really great for helping children to sleep for, you know, so many reasons. It helps you sleep as well. Um, And it's just, yeah, it is so often thrown under the bus that you, well, you shouldn't be breastfeeding at nighttime. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just seen as disposable. Like there is an, you know, like, well, formula fills the belly more. It makes them tired. It'll help them sleep longer. Like put some formula in the bottle, put some rice cereal in the bottom. Let's really make them groggy and, you know, and and do this and breastfeeding. Well, it's not that important. So we'll just move that to the side because this will help them sleep. And that's really not actually safe. You know, for a child that's so young. Yeah, not at all. And you got, you know, children need to be waking up. I mean, a a child doesn't even get into a deep sleep until they're over 12 weeks old because waking up is what they should be doing. Yeah. Because it's a, it reduces the risk of SIDS if you, if they are bouncing around in those lighter sleep cycles. So actually waking often is actually a really good thing um, because it's really good. It's, it's just very healthy thing to do. I know it doesn't feel it for you, maybe not for you, but for your child, it's actually a very healthy thing to be doing, to be waking often. Right. And, and, and yeah, waking and keeping in those lighter states of sleep and not going into those super deep sleeps, like you said, is a SIDS 
-hmm. is a protective factor, which is why breastfeeding is also a protective factor. And formula can be a SIDS risk because it does put them into those deeper sleeps. Yeah. And that is as well why your child sleeping in a a different room is also increases the risk of SIDS because um, as you are, when you're close to your child, you're, you're in tune with them. As you know, when you're, when you're bed sharing with your child, how, when you watch a, um, a breastfeeding mother bed sharing with her child, just how in tune together they are. It's just, fascinating um just sort of watching not not that i do i don't sort of like creep into people's houses and <laughs> watch, <laughs> and watch no, these are all sleeping. people who have signed this con- <laughs> yes. they're in a laboratory decided yeah. to be a part yeah, of a I'm research not project you're not sitting in your window <laughs> <laughs> yeah no this is yeah i'm not creeping on people out here um but it's fascinating watching um, a mother and breastfeeding child sleep together just how um in tune they are they're breath rate, their heart rate, the way that the mother will sort of kind of cocoon the child. It's just like, that is very normal. <laughs> that, when you look at it and you see that and it's like, wow, look how we've evolved to do, to sleep this way. Yeah. This is really, really normal. And it, yeah, it, it prevents the, it lowers the risk of SIDS by doing this, having your child, whether they're in the bed with you or in a, like a bassinet right next to you, having them sort of the more space. Yes, it means that your child may sleep for longer stretches. You may sleep for longer stretches, but that's not always the safest thing to do. Yeah. And one of the things that that she said to me after she said that Jack should be sleeping for 12 hour stretches was, um, so I don't even think I asked the question, but she just went into her kind of recital, you know, her like whatever she was supposed to say to all the people. She said, okay, so in order to get him to sleep at night, you're going to, um, you're going to, you know, put him in the room and close the door and walk out and just, you know, leave him alone for like, for like, um, like one minute the first night. Mm-hmm. Don't go in, you know, just leave him crying, you know, just, just leave him there. And then the next night you do it for two minutes. <sighs> and then, and then we, we like, we're supposed to like build up to something or something. And I said to her, I was like, he's actually in a bassinet next to my bed. Mm. And Mm -hmm. she went, oh, okay. Well, she had no idea what to say then about that. Um, And I didn't know what to say either. Here I am, this new parent who I just thought, he's so young. I was like, we should just, I just had him in a bassinet because I wasn't, Mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't think that I didn't feel safe leaving him in another room. He was just newborn. He was a newborn. So I I figure, I just thought all people just kept their newborn right here. Well, they do. The American Academy of Pediatrics suggests sleeping in the same room as your child for between the first six and 12 months. Okay. I don't, but see, but that's funny because they also say that you should breastfeed for up to two years, but then you also have them saying you need <laughs> yes. to stop because, yeah. you know, of such and such. Yeah. So, you need to do this, but you also need to, yeah, you do yeah. need to breastfeed, but you also need to stop breastfeeding. Right. Yes, exactly. Because that's interfering with everything. Yeah. So when you have, you have people who are, you know, they want to get more sleep. They're being told that their baby should be sleeping these longer stretches. They want to be sleeping longer stretches. They're not. And then you have people who say, okay, well, you should, you know, just leave them, you know, you should leave them to cry. You should, you know, do all of these training mechanisms um, to try to get them to sleep. What do you say about that? So, I mean, there, yeah, sleep training is totally a thing. And I'm, I really, I'm really interested. I'm going to go a little bit of a tangent here that I'm going to come back. But I'm really interested <laughs> in where the history of sleep training comes from. Where does it come from? Because this is not something that we've been doing for, you know, 
thousands of years. This is well, not did it come from? Yeah, I wonder, did it come? Because I feel like it came with the 40-hour work week. I, yeah. You know, did we need to get babies on our schedule? Like, yes. come on, baby. I need to get up in the morning. I need to go make the money, which people, you know, in this capitalist nation, people do. We have people working totally. endless oh, gosh, hours. Yeah. And I'm sorry yeah. to interrupt, but I... No, no, and you, you, you're very right there. The earliest thing I can find on actually sleep training is, um, and it's kind of really early on. It's kind of real, real mixed bag of what you what you kind of see here. But I think it was a book from 1896 that suggested doing wow. that. That you, and it was really, I almost cried when I read it. To oh um, get your child ready for bed at the beginning of the night, you know, which would be 6 p.m., one of those sort of really strict <laughs> 6 p.m. bedtime for, a, for an infant. Um, and this was from about six weeks old. Get them ready for bed. Put them in bed. Don't, get, don't go back in there until morning time. And you're like, what? Uh, <laughs> what? A six-week-old, you're suggesting that they're just in their room. Just, just leave them. Just, you know, doesn't matter. Just leave them be. It's just yeah, like- they'll be fine. What? They'll take care of yeah. themselves. Well, so I think some of the I think some of this is very kind of Victorian with yeah. children should be seen and not heard kind of thing, um, and as well, yeah, with the with the having to work that pressure to work and I need to get as much rest as I possibly can. When we're tired, then um, we're not we don't function as well. Of course not. Um, and if we're up all night with our children, yeah, we're not functioning as well when we're mm-hmm. in the you know when we're working the next day. So definitely, that's definitely part of it. Um, so yeah, so I'm really sort of, where did this actually come from? And why, why is it still a thing? <laughs> why, really? <laughs> why is it still a thing? Um, yes, because if you, that the, you know, a lot of, okay, my child needs help getting to sleep. They're waking up during the night. They need help getting back down to sleep. So this is kind of the a problem. Yes, and it can be. It can be. You know, yeah, I'm a children's sleep consultant. I do help families sleep train their children, but not by nowhere near using any cried out. But if your child can only fall asleep a certain way, then chances are they're going to need that during the night when they wake. Now, it's normal for humans to wake. Humans wake between two and 10 times a night. Waking up is normal for every single human on the planet. So um, don't ever think of a wake up is an issue. It's not. It really, really isn't. But sometimes the getting back to sleep part can be. If we struggle to fall back asleep, if you have insomnia, you struggle to fall back asleep. So the falling back asleep part can be that's where sort of it could be an issue. The waking up part isn't, but if you're requiring something to get to sleep, you'll require that to get back down to sleep. So this is where that, okay, if my child can get themselves to sleep at the beginning of the night, leaving them for a duration to cry, then, or to fuss or whatever, then they'll be able to get to sleep. Then they'll be able to do that during the night. It's all this sort of like, yeah, well, but what about when they're hungry? Oh no, they wouldn't be hungry if they can get themselves to sleep. Now mm. hunger then suddenly just disappears. And it's just like, I, I don't understand that. I just, this is so, I have so many issues will cry it out. And that's one of them is that just suddenly now presuming, well, because they can get to sleep, they don't actually need a feed. Mm. They mm-hmm. may do. Um, but cry it out does work for some children. Um, and it actually works really well for some children. But the majority of children, I would say it doesn't work for simply because when children are crying, there's a reason why they're crying. Um, and for some, if they, you lay your child down, 
you've gone through it, you've got them ready for bed and you lay them down and they're just kind of rolling around. Let's say you've got like a nine month old and they're just kind of rolling around in the crib and they're just kind of, you know, vocalizing, but not necessarily crying. Or maybe they'll sort of be fussing a little bit and you don't feel that, okay, I don't feel actually that they're asking for any help now. I think they're, they're doing okay. I see this kind of behavior maybe when they're playing and they're awake. Okay. And then after however long, six minutes, they fall asleep. Well, well, okay. You did do cry it out because you did the exact same thing as if your child was freaking out. You did the exact mm. same thing. You did cry mm -hmm. it out, but it worked. It, it was easy and it was manageable and you could, you could do it. So then there's those kiddos, very few and far between. I don't ever see those children, but apparently they <laughs> exist. They are out. <laughs> then there's the other kiddos who are a bit more like if you'd have tried this with Jack and you know not to, and my eldest, that I knew that this was a similar thing. You would go through your routine, do everything else the same as that kiddo who's just going to just roll around and just sort of, you know, be quite happy for six minutes, then fall asleep. You'll lay them down and within a split second, it's the real big, quick, urgent cry. It's not a, oh, what do we do? Oh, look, I'm in here. This is kind of, oh, it's interesting. There's no mm. gradual kind of ramp up. It's, oh my gosh, what the heck are you doing to me? Mm. And then it's a, it's, I need help. Oh my God, I can't do it. What am I, what's happening? I need help. I need help. I'm tired. I need help. I need to get sleep. And they begin to, what happens is that when it's that big, kind of real big urgent cry, whether that happened within seconds that would have happened with, with uh, Jack and my eldest, mm -hmm. or it ramps up to that, it can sometimes take 20 minutes to get to mm -hmm. that big mm -hmm. urgent cry. But when you're at a big urgent cry, think about what that big urgent cry is telling you. That's the cry that makes you drop everything and jump out of bed before you're even awake cry. It's that real kind of like mm -hmm. panicky, oh my gosh, something's really wrong. When your child is crying like that, they're panicking. Um, and, um, the fight or flight is then triggered and they're panicking because they're asking for help and they're not getting it. And so they're panicking, they're panicking, they're panicking. They're not, nobody's falling asleep when you're panicking. Nobody, no. there's nobody who is then, if you're gone for a, you know, a bit of a jog and you're at, running through the woods and you're having a, you know, it's like, oh, the sunshine, it's really nice. Um, and then you're being, and then you see a bear and this bear starts chasing you and you're running really fast and you find a cabin in the woods and you get in there and you lock the door and you think you're safe. You, and you're like, oh, wow, that, I ran really fast away from that bear. I'm really tired. I'm going to go to sleep right now. <laughs> no, you, you, who knows how many hours you'd be awake for yeah. before you'd be able to sleep because there's that panic. You know, that panic, that kind of, that's how your child feels when they're that big urgent cry and they're left for a period of time. They are not sleeping. Sometimes we may see a child who's been left like that fall asleep. They do that out of exhaustion. And then within yeah. about 10 minutes, they're awake again because that they just fell asleep out of sheer exhaustion. That's mm -hmm. they're still panicking. So, which has then woken them up again. And then they're at it again for another who knows how many hours. Um, so that cried out, there is the potential that your child is going to get to a panicked cry and nobody's going to be sleeping after that. And it, what, what, <laughs> if we're leaving your child and we're ignoring them when they're crying and they're asking them for help in the name of teaching them to fall asleep, what really are we teaching them? We're right. not, we're teaching them that we're not going to be there for them when they're coming, when they're asking for help. Do we want to teach our children that? No, of course we don't. I, you know, I want my kids to know that I'm there for them 
whether they are three months old, three years old, 13 years old, or 23 years old, that I am going to be there for them to help them and support them whenever they need me. And even if now, you know, like my 18-year-old, it was obviously just as I was falling asleep last week, one night, my 18-year-old comes upstairs and just says, have you just got time for a chat? And I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> just give me a couple of minutes. <laughs> I'll be downstairs. Yeah, because that's when teenagers want to talk. Is in, right, it seems right. To They're wide awake. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's just like, yeah, no, I'm, you need me now. I'm going to be here for you. Yeah. Am I going to sort of like be mumbling and grumbling about it tomorrow? Probably, but <laughs> we'll, <laughs> but we'll get up. We'll we'll deal with it. It's fine. And that's what I want my kids to know is that I'm going to be there for them when they need me. And that is just because they, they're teaching them to fall asleep means I've got to ignore every other need that they have. No, every other need comes be kind of before the sleep. Um, now, that's not to say, oh, well, if my child is that real kind of quick, urgent crying child, that there's nothing I can do to get better sleep. There's so much we can do to get the best possible sleep. Um, but it's but that's not one of the things that you want to do. Right. So, <laughs> You know, that's, there's lots that we can do, but that seems to be the default setting for yeah. anyone when it comes to suggesting more sleep, more independent sleep, whatever. We think that sleep training is cried out. It's not necessarily. Um, I, when, when I'm working with families, the way what I like to do is I like to get the best possible sleep without any sleep training whatsoever. Um, and then if we, if the parents of family want to do some sleep training at that point, once we've got some better sleep, then we can do, but the techniques that I use are very, very gentle where we're really slowly, gradually getting less and less and less involved. So if you're rocking a child to sleep, that we can work on slowing down the movement, that we can look at sort of these things. A lot of times when it comes to a child who's breastfeeding to sleep, we kind of work on everything else. We're still breastfeeding to sleep, but we're working on relaxing before going down to sleep. We're working on making sure we're not getting so overtired during the day, creating a really great positive sleep environment, all of those things, and not going to suddenly make um, your child sleep through the night, but they may get you some longer stretches between those feeds. That's then dropping feeds during the night is if you're going, you know, as you were that 45 minutes, if now we're going an hour and a half between feeds during the night, you've dropped half your nighttime feeds. Um, by we, you know, we've not got it perfect. We've not done actually anything with nighttime feeds or anything with the during the night. We've worked on everything else, but that can get us better sleep at nighttime. So it's looking, I like to look at everything else first. Let's, if we can avoid doing sleep training, that is my goal is to not actually do that. Um, but work on everything else first get the best possible sleep and then see, are you, is this good? Are you happy with this? And if you are great, um, if you're not, because, you know, then, okay, do we need to be looking again at what's normal? Do we then need to be, yeah, we can probably do some sleep training here if we need to, but it's going to look very different from what you think it's going to look like. Yeah. And the benefit, I think, of this podcast, of me being the one to interview you, is that I'm interviewing you, but I've also been your client. Yes. So I, you know, when you're talking about these things, it's like bringing up so many memories mm -hmm. because I, I mean, I remember reaching out to you and, and those nights, you know, that we had gotten ourselves and I recommend not delaying the way we did. <laughs> Just <Yes>. like reach <laughs> out for help to anybody, you know, because we had really dug ourselves into a really big hole. 
mm-hmm. where nighttime had become such a stressor. I mean, you know, we had, I had built up to, I was, I was having, you know, anxiety at night and, and, mm-hmm. you know, so was Jack, of course. Yeah. You know, ja- Josh and I, my husband were, were, you know, we were getting very angry at night, frustrated mm-hmm. with Jack and it just became this, you know, never ending daily horror show yes where you know he of course was not going to go to sleep in that environment and Mm -hmm. we had no idea what to do and i you know when when we first started working with you i was surprised at how much we started doing that had nothing to do with going to sleep yes you know that we were looking at you know the daytime Mm -hmm. and this is when we started we started doing those um siestas Yes. And you, you, I realize now that we don't use that word anymore, but it's, it's so ingrained in our family that when we feel the energy coming up real high for a long time, we're like, all right, let's come on over here and we'll do Mm -hmm. something, you know, sit down for a little while. And I remember you explaining it like rungs on a ladder. Yeah. Like if you're getting ramped up and you're kind of on like the sixth rung Mm -hmm. and you never come down throughout the day and you're just coming up and up and up and up, then you're on the top rung and you have to come all the way down. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. If, That's yeah. And so it for some children they they're kind of quick to get up that ladder. Yeah. Um and others will just kind of slowly and they'll only make it to the third rung by the end of the day anyway. Um yeah, so unwinding is a huge part of But sleep. not just before bed. Yeah. Like throughout the day so that you're not at the ending the day, you know, or 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 even just over over time I've realized that we've all learned how to just come down mm-hmm. from being really worked up, recognizing those signs inside of our bodies that, that, you know, show us how, how we know we're relaxed or how we, or when we know we're not relaxed. Yeah. Um, and we worked so much with, I re, you know, with, with Jack, you know, cause he's one of these kids who was like up the ladder, mm-hmm. you know, real fast. And then even at noon, you know, mm-hmm. if it was the middle of the day, we'd say, all right, we're going to do, you know, a sit down thing. Yeah. Where we would bring the energy level down. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that overall, just in his life, so much as so much benefit has come from that. Oh, definitely. We all need it. You know, we all need to have sort of a little bit of downtime. Um, and this is something that we'll even do even with infants is a sort of a, a winding down as need be, uh, because overstimulation is going to impact sleep for all of us, whether we're adults or we're three years old or we're three months old, being the brain being overly stimulated makes it hard to sleep. And though we have bedtime routines and nap time routines, for some of us, those are not enough to be able to completely relax and unwind. And so if you, something is really overly stimulating, the and it doesn't mean you have to avoid the overly stimulating things because a lot of the times those are the really fun things yeah. as well. So it's not that you, we, oh, we can't do that because it's so overly stimulating. It's that let's do this, but we need to make sure that we have the time to relax after or before we're going to try for a nap or before we're going to try for bed or all of those that we've got this little bit of downtime so that we can just sort of like just unwind a little bit and then we can start again. Then we can start again. So that at the end of the day, we are not just like a complete sort of like, just, you know, so much energy because as children are overstimulated. They, and we'll, let's throw in a bit of overtiredness there as well, because they've been so overstimulated that um, they will struggle to um, fall asleep, remain asleep, 
definitely, but they really struggle to unwind. It's as if you've given them a, um, you know, like a can of Red Bull, three espressos, two tablespoons of sugar at bedtime. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that was exactly the other thing too. And I, you know, I told you this at the time, but, but, you know, I, you know, he, he would get all worked up. You yes. know, here comes nighttime and he's all worked up. He's running around. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, we didn't do enough today. You know, mm-hmm. he hasn't gotten all his energy out. So we were doing like wrestling. We were like making it so much worse. <laughs> you know, we were doing all these things. And you're like, no, no, no. You know, and I had to learn like, that's how you recognize tiredness in kids. Yeah. Is they don't like in adults. We're just like we go like sagging into the couch. <laughs> we can't keep our eyes open. Kids are like, yeah, like they had a Red Bull. They're just like running around and it looks like they have so much energy, but they're actually overtired. Definitely. Yeah. And so, so the way that we were, I mean, I remember that we started doing this was we started from when you woke up in the morning. This is when we started like, okay, w- to prevent this happening at night, we're starting first thing in the morning. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we did. We were looking at the, the, your entire day of ways of just sort of like, you know, just being able to relax and unwind. Nothing to do with sleep really, but right. yeah, it just, yeah, that really, really helped, really helped him so much, didn't it? Just to just be able to not be that big bundle of energy at the end of the day. It was just yeah, so much Yeah, and easier. recognizing, learning how to recognize those signs that he was getting tired, those signs, you know, before the delirium hits in, yes. you know, mm, and, and yes. learning. And I think, you know, we know it's, it's, it's funny to me now. It's not funny. I mean, it's such a testament to like, you know, the, the work that, that you're doing and that, that we have the misinformation we have about sleep mm-hmm. is, you know, they, nighttime is a non-issue around here. Mm-hmm. Like it is a non-issue. They go to bed. They don't question it. They're sometimes Jack is like, I don't want to wait. I want to go now. I'm tired. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a complete, that is like the least, it used to be the most horrific time of day. And now it is the least eventful time of the day. And I remember um, as well, we were, um, what was I going to say? There was something else we were doing. Um, well, I don't know. I'll come back to Jack when I think, but we also were working with Exley because mm-hmm. then here comes Exley. He's getting mm-hmm. older. And then he's, you know, he was, it, it doesn't matter. We don't need to get into it. But one of the things that you said, which was really helpful to me because me, you know, me being like, no, nursing, you have to breastfeed all the time and always breastfeed and don't question your child's, ner- you know, need to breastfeed at night. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like Exley, he was like, you know, he was a toddler, I think at the time. Uh-huh. And you're like, because he would he would wake up at night and then I would kind of pull him over to me mm-hmm. and I would nurse him. And you're like, wait a minute. So you're like changing his position, like pulling him towards you, like all of this, like he's stirring a little bit, but Mm -hmm. even just pulling him over to nurse, you're waking him all the way up, you know, (laughs) like try, like try, you know, and this is where I think some of this is the sleep training, right? Mm -hmm. That you, that some of the techniques that you try. So instead of immediately, and I'm not talking to you guys, if you have, you know, a newborn or, you know, a tiny Mm -hmm. baby, you're, you're, they're probably right there by the nibble anyway. So. But you have a toddler who's kind of rolled away and they're starting to wake up, you know, the you suggested like, you know, kind of patting his back or kind of like, you know, shaking him a little bit mm-hmm. to see if he could go back to sleep and get himself back to sleep without me having to all the way wake him up. Yeah. 
to nurse again. And, you know, that was like a very helpful thing to be like, okay, yeah, <laughs> I don't have to be, you know, yeah. Breastfeeding doesn't have to always be the answer, especially as they grow up, they can learn um, other ways to fall asleep. Yeah, exactly. If it doesn't work, he's just going to wake up. And it's super easy to do, to do that, to give it a go. And just to kind of see, because we bounce around through, you know, deep sleep cycles to dream sleep and up and down all night. And in fact, we don't spend much of our night in a deep sleep. We are in a, a lighter sleep the majority of the night, which means that in that sort of lighter sleep, we will sort of move around a little bit more. Deep sleep, we don't. But with our lighter sleep, we will sort of, you, you can tell when someone's in a light sleep, they can make noise, they'll move around a little bit. But they may get back down into a deep sleep. You never know. But you can help them get back down into a deep sleep if you need to. But it doesn't, you know, I suggest going, you know, starting small. Is hand on the back enough? Nope. You'll, and you'll know within seconds. It's not as if you need to be there for minutes and minutes and minutes. Mm -hmm. You'll know within seconds. If not, maybe start jiggling them a little bit or patting their back a little bit. Is is that helping? Add a bit more. Add more and more and more and more as you need to. Say you can. You'll do this fairly quick. You'll know if what you're doing is helping or not. This way, you're not over helping uh, during the nighttime. You're giving your child the exact help it was that they needed to, in order to get back down to sleep. And if it ends up that you need to pick them up and feed them or shuffle them over and to feed them, then that's what they needed. That's that's you know, mm -hmm. and you gave them then the support and help that they needed. But it may be. They didn't need to feed at that point and that they were actually able to, to get back down into a deeper sleep. What mm -hmm. we're then doing is we're creating a habit of coming into a lighter sleep, not waking up fully, and then getting back down into a deep sleep. So we're creating that as a habit. So even though you were there needing to be helping, it doesn't mean you're all always there to be needing to be helping. And as well, yeah, if you're getting sort of your child moving them over, getting, latching them on, um, then you are, yeah, you're going to be waking them up quite a bit. So um, there's lots that we can do. And that is, yeah, that's sleep training, but you wouldn't really call that sleep training because we think sleep training is doing the crime. Right, out. exactly. We think of sleep training as just these really harsh kind of things yeah. that we don't want to do that make us sit in the other room and listen to crying. Exactly. But we're teaching more independent sleep skills, even though it doesn't feel like we're teaching more independent sleep skills. Right. Yeah. But we are. I mean, and there's so many things if you are like feeding during the night, that may that may work, that may not work. That's kind of hands-on. Another thing that I like to do with families who are breastfeeding is um, especially again with these older <clears throat> children and toddlers, is to first off and for what, just one feed a night, maybe the second feed during the night, definitely not after 4 a.m., but for the maybe second feed of the night would be, if you're bed sharing especially, to sit up to feed. And I know it's a bit more miserable because it just takes so much more energy. But mm -hmm. to sit up to feed, but for your child, that's also not as easy for them because they had to be moved and they've had to, mm. and then I suggest mm -hmm. as well, then you swap sides, then you start fidgeting a little bit. So you're making that, you're not saying, I'm not going to feed you. You're not saying, no, I'm not going to feed you at this point. You're still offering it to them, but it's not as easy for, for your toddler. It's not as easy for mm -hmm. them to get to, to be feeding because they're just not rolling over and feeding. And honestly, I have, I worked with a family quite, it was a few years ago now. We, and they, she, mom was pregnant and, um, she was bed sharing and she didn't want to change the bed sharing. She didn't want to, she didn't want to do, you know, w 
stop breastfeeding, anything like that. And so we carried on. And but her her toddler was waking up like six or seven times a night, and she was mm. just like, "This is just I'm just beginning to worry for when mm-hmm. the baby arrives. I mm-hmm. can't be doing this." And the way we got her down to no night feeds a night by just doing that sitting up to feed. Mm. We eliminated all night wake ups by by night feeds by doing that by just sitting up to feed. Now it wasn't a it wasn't quick, and again that's the kind of we think sleep training. Oh, apparently right. it's just three nights and then we're done. No, <laughs> it wasn't. It was months that it took us to get there, and we took one feed at a time and we worked on one feed at a time, and then we were still doing the you know as you were with the hands on kind of thing as well, and we eliminated all night feeds and all night wake-ups by doing that. So we were sleep training. Definitely, we were teaching more independent sleep skills, but it was such a different way of doing sleep training. And it worked really well. And I think of the the sleep training too, again, like all of this where where I was said before, how surprising it was to me that how much of the work had nothing to do with going to sleep at night. You know, it was so much of the day and the surrounding environment. And I remember doing we did so much work on the on the room just the room itself or the room like the living room first yeah um dimming the lights mm-hmm. you know because we talk about like you know like melatonin in yeah. order to go to sleep it needs to be you know, it's only produced in a dark room mm-hmm. right when there's no light yeah. i didn't know that <laughs> i did not know that yeah. you know so then you know so we still to this day have the setup that we had then they're 10 and seven, but we still mm-hmm. do the exact same thing. And, you know, the, the, um, you know, just making, making it, you know, getting a special lamp. That was the only light that was on turning all the other, preparing all the other rooms before we went to bed so that we wouldn't have to turn the lights on when yeah. we went in, you mm-hmm. know, to lay down. Um, and also the timing of the naps, I remember became a big thing. Yes. Um, you know, the second nap of the day or, or, you know, when he got down to two naps or something and making sure that it wasn't too late and, mm-hmm. and, and waking you, I mean, you, we were, we, we got down to how long the sleep cycles were mm-hmm. timing the sleep <laughs> cycles yeah. and going in to wake him up from a nap. But but in a special way that it, where where it would only happen if he came up out of that deeper sleep, mm-hmm. there was a whole method of how I would go into the room and wake him up. Yeah, <laughs> yes. you know, and this is sleep training. Yeah, you know, we were doing all of these interventions, and nobody was crying, nobody was mm-hmm. left alone, nobody was anything. But it was all of these things that were just, you know, ha- interventions that helped, you know, for him to just get the best. Sleep yeah. at night and to to be able to go into not get overtired, go into it to to sleep, um, you know, with his body relaxed and ready to go in and out of, you know, into the deeper sleep cycles. Yeah, and it worked great for him. And you were super comfortable with everything that you were doing. And, you know, I kind of think that even though when we were working together, we weren't, I wouldn't, you know, I, I would have said, well, we, we didn't sleep train. But we did, but we we, yeah. we didn't sleep train because we didn't do anything, you know, any of that. Okay, just getting him ready for bed and putting him in his room and, yeah. you know. Walking away. Yeah, walking away and just, you know, yeah. We didn't really sleep train, but we did. We taught him to sleep more independently by looking at everything else. And it, and it was 
hard, the th- all those steps that you worked on, because there were a lot of things that we were looking at. There was a lot of things that we worked on. They were hard because we're changing the way that we do things and change yeah. is hard for humans. So we would change it. And so it was hard, but it wasn't as hard as, you know, it could have been if you'd have thought, yeah. Okay, I've got the only way I can help. Not that he would have learned to have slept anyway. If he, even if he tried just putting him in the room and leaving, that mm-hmm. wouldn't have worked. He would have right. cried for 10 hours, I think, um, if you'd have tried that. But yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it doesn't really, I don't know. It's, I, that's what, and that's my aim is to work on all of those things to get us the best possible sleep. Those are the things I like to work on first. Let's get the best possible sleep and let's see where that then leaves us. Because after doing that, we could have eliminated all night feeds and all night wake ups by doing that stuff. If then we need to, then we need to, then we need to look at other things. But those are the things that are manageable because most of it's during the day. When we're looking at these, most things that we need to do during the daytime, we've got the energy to do that. It's just sort of right. as well when you think about, oh, I don't have the energy. I'm so exhausted. I don't have the energy to deal with the nighttime things. I can't be up any more than I already am. Well, let's get, let's see if we can eliminate nighttime wake ups by doing everything else, working on the daytime stuff, working on everything else. That's going to help you get better sleep at nighttime without working on the nighttime. Yeah. And it just makes me think like, this is a little bit of a tangent, but it makes me think of how much just learning those things still affects us today. Because mm-hmm. we're, I mean, we're a homeschool family, so we don't like really, ha- I don't like have to wake them up. Plus I also wake up at the butt crack of dawn. So <laughs> I don't, they still do that, but you know, <laughs> um, I don't have, really have to wake them up very often, but the times that I have had to wake them up, I'm very like, um, intentional about it. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm like, no, 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 you're not going to just go in and start shaking them, you know, because if they're in a deeper sleep, it'll be like more, you know, it won't be as easy for them to wake up. It'll be harsher. You know, like you just go in like 20 minutes, you know, go in and start rustling around, maybe maybe open the curtains. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just when they get to a lighter, into those like lighter sleep cycle, then they'll wake up, you know, in a way that is less you know, stressful or whatever. Yeah. No one likes it when the alarm goes off. (laughs) The way that I, the way that I think about that is from working with you. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. totally from that. Great. Well, I'm glad. So yeah, that's funny that it's just when you learn, I think when you just learn about what is normal, even like just the sleep cycle thing and the melatonin and, you know, these organizing the day, you know, it was absolutely Mm life-changing. And um, it had so much more to do with me learning than anything that had to do with what we had to do with them. Yeah. You know, really, the, the bulk of the work was educating, you know, the parents. Def- oh, definitely. That's, yeah, that's 99% of what I do is looking at, yeah, educating the parents and um, giving them the tools that they need to be able to work with their child and to comfortably do so. Because that's the thing, sleep consultants, we get, you know, such a bad rap that, yeah. um, that it's all kind of, you know, it's going to be cried out and it's going to be hard. Well, yeah, some of them are regimen. really dragging, you know, some of them really, really give you a bad name. Oh, you know, oh, like some totally, of them are really, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. They're not making it easy for you. Oh, definitely. But, you know, I just sort of like keep sort of thinking when I first started, I've been doing this for like a million years. And when I first started, um, what was it like? Must be 14, 15 years ago now I started my business doing this. I was, I was one of two 
children's sleep consultants on the West Coast. There was one wow. other and she was in LA. Um, and then there was me in Seattle. Um, and that was it. <laughs> that was it. There was more, there were more on the East Coast, but that was it for the West Coast was, um, there was two of us. Um, and, and, you know, I'm really glad that there is more, there's more and more. Um, but it's just like a bit like, Hey, uh, no. <laughs> no. Stop doing that. <laughs> no, no yes. don't do it that way. Don't, don't do it that way. <laughs> yeah. So anybody who is hearing this, if you are in need of a sleep consultant, look no further. Do not Google. Do not go into your mommy Facebook groups and ask for whatever. You have the, you have a person, I'm vouching for this person as, <laughs> you know, as a, as a, sort of colleague, I guess, in the world of working with parents, mm-hmm. but also as a client, former client. Um, and so that, thank you so much for all of the insight that you brought us today. And um, I'm sure that, um, you know, as time goes on, I'll have more questions and maybe you <laughs> can come back in 2022 and talk to us more. Yeah, I'd love to. About sleep. Yeah. Um, where can people find you? So you can find me kind of everywhere. Uh, my website is childrensleepconsultant.com. So you can find me there. And there's many different ways that we can work together, either privately. I also have a membership site. Um, all the ways that we work together are all the same. Super gentle, um, super compassionate and loving ways of working together. But you can also then find me on um, Facebook. So just look for Rebecca Mickey Children's Sleep Consultant. I have a Facebook group where I do sort of a little mini masterclass every week. Again, looking real kind of realistic sleep um, expectations. And this is, this is the little mini masterclasses are more of that education. I'm looking at what's normal when it comes to when can I expect my child to sleep through the night and just looking mm. at really kind of normal things. There's lots of education there. So make sure you join the Facebook group because there's a lot of good stuff happening in the Facebook group right now. Oh, that's awesome. Now that's a Facebook group that you can be in. Safely oh, definitely. be. Yes, definitely. Um, yeah, there's no, nobody's going to be advising you to leave your kiddo to cry it out there. Um, it's definitely more compassionate, supportive environment. And we will put, um, if you are kind of lost right now and scrambling to write any of this down, don't worry, go to badassbreastfeedingpodcast.com and we'll put all of the links to all of these things in the show notes for you so you can easily, easily find it. And thank you so much, Rebecca. It was so wonderful talking to you. And thanks for, you know, um, telling us what's normal and not normal. And hopefully everyone gets a little stressful night, stress, (laughs) stressful, (laughs) less stressful uh, night's sleep tonight. Mm -hmm. You know, and one of the, one of, I'm just going to, I think this is a great end to have. Mm -hmm. One of the best pieces of parenting advice I was ever given um, was when my youngest was um, just probably like a month old. And um, what I I was told that I was really struggling with night times, beginning of the nights, really struggling. And somebody said to me, it's not always going to be like this. Just this is how it is right now and just accept it, but it won't always be like this. And once I really started thinking about that, it just felt so different. It just felt so different. And so, yeah, if you're struggling with sleep right now, this is what it's like right now, but it will all change. I guarantee it's all going to change. So just try to just sort of remember that. I'm not going to say you've got to love it and embrace it, but just remember that it won't always be this way. I think that's such an important thing. And we do say that often, like, you know, say that often, like the, there's so many phases and stages and stuff as you go that if you are hating what's going on right now, 
It will change. Oh, definitely. (laughs) Definitely. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rebecca. You're welcome. It's great to speak with you. You too. 